Last week, if you were at Pop-Up Church, or maybe you weren't and you caught it online, I preached a sermon called Don't Quit, Don't Quit. And uh, man, it was a, a timely word. And I don't say that uh, to say, look at me, but every time I get ready to teach and prepare a sermon, I always seek God before anything. And I ask God and the Holy Spirit to guide me, to lead me, to fill my heart, fill my mind uh, with the words that He wants me to share with you. And that was what came into my heart and uh, man, it was just uh, it was just right on time. And every time it seems the last uh, several weeks, even months, that I've gone to God's word in my personal time, or I've gone to teach uh, you guys, I can't get away from this theme. Not necessarily the theme of of don't quit, but the theme that that is surrounding the context, if you will, that wants that that will lead people to want to quit. And it's this theme of 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 people just being tired. People being weary, people being overwhelmed, people being anxious, people being at a place where they are ready to quit. And so um, this this thought came to my heart as I was preparing and and praying about what I was going to share with you today. And it comes from a three-word phrase, and it's this, it is well, it is well. Last week, I had the amazing honor and privilege of speaking uh, to the staff at Portsmouth Christian School. It was their first day back uh, as a staff. The kids come back this week um, there, but it was just an incredible time to speak to them and over them and encourage them and challenge them. Uh, and I shared this, this I don't want to say very same message, but uh, very close. I had a little bit of things that were uh, kind of spoken specifically to their environment, um, but it stayed on my heart to share with you guys as well. And so uh, I'm excited. I'm ready to dive in with this thought, this process, this this thought process, if you will, uh, this perspective of it is well. It doesn't really feel that well, though, right? It doesn't seem well. It doesn't look well. How can we say that it is well when nothing around us, nothing inside of me seems, looks, and feels as if it is well? You see, it's easy for us when when life is good for us to say it is well, when our relationships are good, our relationship at our job, our relationship in our homes with our spouses, with uh, our spouse, excuse me, (laughs) not multiple spouses, our our kids, uh, when all of that is good, when our finances are good, when when our plans are good, when the things that, that we have in life, we're expecting to go a certain way and they do, when all of that is in order, it is very easy for us to say it is well. But what about when those things aren't in place? What about when we're struggling? What about when our marriages is, our marriage, Eric, woo, we're in trouble today. I've said that twice. Uh, when our marriage is struggling, when our relationship with our kids is struggling, when all of this surrounding our life, when none of it is actually well, how do we say that it is well? And I'm here to remind you today, church, I'm here to remind you this morning that we can say it is well because of the hope that we have in Jesus. We can say it is well because of the love that he has that never ends, the forgiveness that is unlimited, the grace upon grace upon grace that he offers, the mercies that are new every day, the peace that we have in the relationship with him, the joy that we get from serving the Lord. Because of Jesus, we can say it is well, even when our circumstances and surrounding situations are not. It is well. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 
46, he says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam and let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. The psalmist says, listen, I can say that it is well because I know that God is my refuge. He is my safe place. He is my shelter. He is the one that I can run to and be protected when nothing around me is well. And I can say it is well. I can say that it is well because in my weakness, I have a God who gives me strength. He, his power comes out in my weakness and I can run to him and say that it is well. I can say that it is well because I serve a God that is there for me in my time of need. And I don't have to have it figured out. I don't have to have it all together, but I can run to the one who does. And so let the mountains crumble. Let the earthquakes come. Let the oceans roar. Let the world end, whatever it may be. I can say it is well because of the God that I serve. It is well, church. There's another individual in God's word, uh, like the psalmist who, who had this figured out. And he's in the New Testament. We looked at some of his writings last week and we're going to look at some more today. And that guy is Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at verses 3 through 7, and, uh, and then we're going to break this down. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. And so let's, uh, let's dive into God's Word. Here we go, First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in your in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us. There's a word there that kept popping up. I don't know if you caught it. It's the word comfort. Nine times this word is used in just this short little passage. And so I like to see when I'm, when I'm reading God's word, when I'm studying a passage of scripture, when I see something like that that keeps popping up and it keeps getting my attention, I'm like, man, what's going on here? Why is this being repeated over and over? What does this mean? Is this word being used in the exact same context, the exact same way every time? And so nine times the word comfort is used here. And guess what? It's used the exact same every single time. And here's the definition of it in the Greek. And it's, and it's really kind of this broad definition. It's a broad meaning. It, it kind of covers a lot of aspects of who God is and what he is providing to us through this word, through this, this definition of comfort. And it means this, a calling near, a summons, supplication, encouragement, and refreshment. 
I told you it's broad. Like it is a lot that it that it gives us as as we receive this comfort from God. It's it's and so so we can say that it is well because we know that 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 this is a calling near. I can find comfort in the fact that God's word says, as I draw near to Him, He will draw near to me. I can find comfort in the fact that that He is a He's a supplier. He He is supplying all of my needs, and I can say that it is well because I have everything that I have in Him, and I'm comforted by that. I'm comforted in the fact that that I can read God's word, his word that he spoke and wrote to us, and I can leave, and I can be encouraged, and I can find comfort in that. I can be comforted in the fact that I can spend a few moments in God's presence, and I can be refreshed, even though I came in burdened, and I came in tired, and I came in overwhelmed and weary. I can be refreshed. This is the type of comfort that Paul is talking about. And because of this comfort, because of what God offers us, it allows us to look around and say, you know what? It doesn't look well. It doesn't seem well. It doesn't feel well. But because of this type of comfort, I can say it is well. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes that I need us to focus on and I want to teach you that I want to remind you of is this. Receive comfort. Receive comfort. Like, can we have a, a transparent, like vulnerable moment? Some of you right now, you are broken. You, you are overwhelmed beyond anything you can imagine. You are hurting. You are struggling. You are fighting. You are going through a deep, dark season in life. And God wants to comfort you. Like he wants to literally comfort you right now. Like right now in this moment, he wants you to receive the comfort that he offers. Like every single one of us in the last year and a half, we have been through something that is that has caused us to be overwhelmed, anxious, worried, fearful, you know, weary, tired, exhausted, whatever it is. Like through all the pandemic stuff that we have faced, through through relationship issues, through marriage issues, through kid issues, through financial issues, through job issues, like the list goes on. But every single one of us in the last year and a half, and maybe you're here right now, you need comfort from God. And he's saying, listen, I want to give it to you. I want you to receive this comfort that I have for you. And as I think about this aspect of comfort, I think about the things that God has created, designed, orchestrated uh, in life. Like, like I believe that, uh, so we as human beings, we obviously, uh, we are going to find what we're looking for, right? Like, and so if we are in a place where we're struggling, where we need consoling, where we need comfort, for the most part, we're going to find comfort somewhere, somehow. And in many of those situations, we turn to things that are God-ordained and God, God created, God designed for us to get comfort. And then there are other times where we turn to things that are from this world, like whether we turn to alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or, or, or food or whatever it may be. Like we, we turn to things that are bad and we turn to things that are good. And I'm thankful for the things that God has provided in our lives that are good. Like I can go to my wife in a time where, where I'm struggling, in a time where maybe I'm wrestling, in a time where, where maybe I'm going through a, you know, a season where I need comfort and I can turn to her and I know that she's going to be there to comfort me. 
I can have a bad day at work or wherever it may be, and I can walk in my, my door in my house and my kid run up to me and give me a hug and say, I'm so glad you're here, Daddy. I miss you today. I love you. And that comforts me. Like I can find comfort in many of these things that, that God has designed and created, and that's great. I am so thankful for that, and I'm glad that God uses that. But here's what I want you to hear. The source of comfort, although God uses those things that he's created to give us comfort, that is not the source. And I love what verse 3 says in this. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of of all comfort, the source of all comfort. And so many times we turn to things, whether good or bad, to comfort us. And many times it's only temporary. And God is saying, listen, Jesus, my son, he is the source of comfort. And I want you to go to the source. Like, I don't know about you, when I'm trying to find something, when I'm trying to do something, when I'm trying to accomplish something, or when I'm hearing some type of information, like, I don't want third-hand stuff. I don't want fourth-hand. I don't want a middleman. I want to go to the source. I want to go to where it is, where the supply is coming from. That's where I want to get my resources. That's where I want to get my information. The old saying, like, hear it straight from the horse's mouth, right? Like, I want to go to the source to get comfort. And so many of us, church, especially if you are a believer, I'm not saying anything to you that is new. You know this. You know that our God is a comforter. You know that that he wants to to heal us and and console us and, and for us to find rest in him. And you even know the things that you're supposed to do to get that and to receive that. Or maybe you don't. And so, so let, me, let me just share with you. We have got to go to Jesus if he is the source. When we are in need of comfort, when we are overwhelmed and weary and exhausted and, and filled with worry and anxiety, we've got to go to Jesus since he is the source to find our comfort. And so many of us, we neglect that. We neglect that. Like if we're really honest with ourselves, maybe some of you right now, you're polishing your, your, your halo, right? Because you always go there and you do it all the time. Like I'm glad if you do do that. But the reality is many Christians, many followers of Jesus, we neglect time at the source, right? Like we neglect making Jesus the number one priority of every aspect of our life. And, and let's face it, it's hard. Like It's hard for us to be in this season where we're ready to quit and where we're overwhelmed and we're in this deep, deep, dark valley of life. Like we don't know what to do or where to go. And we're spinning wheels, trying to feel better, trying to feel right, trying to receive comfort, trying to get back on our feet, trying to take care of kids and jobs and all of this. Like, like I get it. But what if every time that we were in a place where we were struggling and we needed comfort, we would go straight to the source. What if every time we didn't need comfort, we still went to the source? I, I was thinking about this analogy the other day, and, and uh, I shared this uh, at the school when I was talking about this, but like, if for whatever reason I didn't have running water in my house, all of a sudden there was no more water and there was going to be this extended amount of time where there was going to be no running water in my house and I had no resources or, or access to get water. But a mile down the road, there was a well that had water and that was actually where the water was coming from to get to my house. But for whatever reason, there was a break in the supply line, if you will, and it wasn't making it from the source to my house. 
You know what I would do every single day? Without hesitation, I would wake up every morning and I would walk that one mile and I would go straight to the source and I would fill my buckets up with water and I would bring them back to my house to make sure that my kids and my family had exactly what they needed to live and to move on and to, and to meet their needs. But so often we neglect going to the source in times of trouble and we don't go to the source when we need comfort. Like I'm, I would make it a priority if I needed water. There would be no calendar that would get in my way. There would be no sleep that would get in my way. There would be no distraction that would get in my way. I would be well on my way, focused to get to the source so that I could meet the needs of myself and my family. And so many of us, we go without going to the source. And I wonder why we're not consoled. I wonder why we're struggling. I wonder why we are so weary and exhausted when we're not going to the source who can help us with those things. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, you're going to turn to Jesus one time and all of a sudden you're not going to be exhausted anymore. You're not going to have issues anymore. It's not about that, but it's about knowing that I have the source who can help me, lead me, guide me, give me strength and encourage me and comfort me through this time in my life. And so how do we do that? Right. Like how, how do I what, what does it look like to go to the source? Well, I've already told you, first off, you have to make it a priority every single day. Like, I don't know about you, I don't want to go one day without being uh, in the presence of God and led and fueled and filled by the Holy Spirit because I know what Brian is capable of and it's not very much. I know what decisions Brian makes on his own. I know what words Brian wants to say and thoughts he wants to think on his own, but I'm thankful that I have the living God inside of me that I can tap into, that I can spend time in this source and be focused and realigned and redirected and guided to live my life day after day in a Christ-like manner. And so, 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 so priority is first. But secondly, when is the last time you, you just opened God's word? And I know I, I say this a lot, man. And, and, and sometimes I'm like, okay, God, like, give me something else, right? But like, God's saying, what else do you want? Like, what more do you want? Make me a priority, spend time in my word, talk to me through prayer, and get in my presence. Like, that is what God wants from us. And he says, if you will do that, if you will make me a priority, if you will seek what I have already said to you and spoken to you, I've given you every answer that you need to life right here. If you will seek that daily, if you will sit still long enough to have a conversation with me, not let me just shout out everything that I want and, and tell every, every need that I have, but, but have a conversation, meaning you talk and then be quiet and listen. Like if you will do that daily, listen, I will give you a comfort. That, that far surpasses anything that you can find in this world. Like, let's go to the source. Because when we go to the source to receive the comfort that only God has, we can look around and say, it don't look well, it don't feel well, it don't seem well. But because of the comfort that God gives me, it is well. It is well, church. Receive the comfort that God wants to give you right now, right where you are, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of what you're going through. Receive comfort. It's a drawing here. It's a supplication. It's a refreshment. It's an encouragement. It is well. And so we receive comfort. And the second thing we do is we give comfort. 
We receive it and then we give it. We receive it and then we give it. We see this all throughout scripture, not just with comfort. God has called us to be a generous giver. That's why we value generosity here. We're not talking about money. We're talking about the attitude of the heart. I'm gonna receive comfort and then the same thing that I received, I'm gonna give it to somebody else. Check this out in verse four. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. There's a purpose. There's a reason. We talked about that last week. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Like, We go through things and we go to the source. We receive the comfort that God offers us so that we can give the same exact comfort to everybody else that we encounter. And can I just tell you something before we move on, church? You are made for this. The Bible says that God spoke, he breathed life into us. We are living on borrowed breath. And so if you have breath in your lungs, you were created and designed for such a time as this. You have what it takes to comfort others. You are equipped to comfort others. You are qualified to comfort others. You have a supernatural gift inside of you if you are a believer. And it's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And so we receive this comfort and then we give it to others. Like we need to give the same comfort that we receive. Why? Because people are so broken. People are so broken. And, and, and it's easy for us to look around and see that, right? Like, and God has called us to be salt and light. He's called us to be the light of the world because of Jesus is living inside of us and coming out of us. Like we are called to make a difference and people are broken. People are far broken than you can imagine. I remember, well, when I was a teenager and and in high school and into college, I truly had no idea of how broken people were. And the main reason was because I didn't really care. Honestly, I was selfish and I only wanted to know what Brian could do and where Brian was going and what Brian was going to accomplish. Like everything was on me. When I got out of college, and I went into nursing, and, and as, I, as I got into this career, this profession, and started maturing a little bit in life, I started seeing a, a little bit more brokenness. But because of the, uh, the environment that I worked in, uh, you know, an, an emergency department, the brokenness that I saw was, was mainly physical brokenness. Like I saw some emotional, some spiritual brokenness, but the main thing that, that, that my eyes were open to was, was more of this physical brokenness. But then I got out of nursing and I went into full-time ministry. And over the recent years, God has opened my eyes to see how truly broken people are. Like People are walking through life hopeless. They're walking through life without peace in full turmoil inside. Mental illness, like, I mean, thing after thing after thing. If you name it, if you can think it, you can name it. Like, like people are broken. People are so broken. And people that are broken like that, oftentimes, they can't say it is well for two reasons, or one or the other, actually. One, because they don't know the one who can make them well, or two, they just don't understand it. And so, so the way that we can say as a body of Christ, as believers, as the church, the way that we can say it is well is because we go to the source of comfort and we fix our eyes on Jesus. But one who doesn't know Jesus doesn't fix their eyes on Jesus. So how do they get comfort? They get comfort through the church. They get comfort through you and I. And so we receive comfort so that we can give comfort. And I want to tell you, the, the, the way that brokenness comes out through people, it varies. 
Like, like brokenness may come out in someone's life by the one who's just so closed off, never talks to anybody, keeps his head down, has all the walls up, is never going to let you in his or her life, is going to put all these guards up around their heart because they're broken and they don't want it exposed. Sometimes brokenness comes out by that person who is the, the most absolute biggest jerk that you have ever met. They are mean, they are hateful, they are spiteful, and they're doing it because of the brokenness that is inside of them. Sometimes people that are broken, they display it by doing everything possible to draw as much attention to themselves in, in whatever capacity that may look like. Sometimes people's brokenness is, is, is coming out in their life by watching them and seeing them live their life making the dumbest and most unwise choices that you could ever imagine or fathom. Like brokenness comes out in all of these different shapes, forms, and fashions. And the problem is oftentimes we as believers, we as Christians, we see that brokenness and instead of running to them and giving them comfort, we say, no, I can't get into them. They're a jerk. I'm not talking to them. I'm not going to be associated with them. And we run the opposite direction. God has created and designed us as the church to bring hope to this land, to bring hope to people's lives. And so we are to receive comfort so that we can give comfort. I want you to know that you have been called to give comfort to other people through their brokenness. And if we will step up, church, if we will be the light that God has called us to be, and instead of running away from brokenness, Instead of running away from the mess, we run to it. I promise you, God will show you things and do things through you that you cannot imagine. And that is the church that we want to be. We are here for the seven cities, not for the good parts, not for the highs, but we're here for it all. We're here for the valleys. We're here for the brokenness. We're here for the messy places. We're here for the overlooked. We're here for the vulnerable. We are here to be the light of the world. And it takes you taking and receiving comfort and then giving comfort to those that are broken. And I want to give you something very practical for you to, to focus on today. Again, we can, we, can, we can give comfort in so many different aspects, but I, I want to just kind of keep it simple and give you one thing to focus on, one thing to chew on, one thing to apply starting today over the next week and just watch what it does in your life. And it's simply this. We can give comfort by speaking life. Speaking life. Guess what? You don't need anything. You ain't got to buy anything. You ain't got to know nothing. There is nothing that you have to do to speak life into somebody except speak and choose life as it comes out. God has given us literally a secret weapon to speak life into other people's life, to give them comfort by the words that we say, by the words that we type, by the words that we write. We can speak life to people. In James, God's word talks about how powerful the tongue is. And he compares it to the fact that, that a little spark could set a whole forest fire ablaze. He compares it to, to, the, to the tongue that is in a horse's mouth, literally a 800-pound animal. And it has this little two-inch, two-and-a-half-inch bit that goes in their mouth and it sits on top of their tongue. And the person that is riding the horse can steer the horse and make it go whatever direction they want just by pressing down a little bit on the tongue. It compares it to this, this rudder on a massive ship or a boat and how this little tiny rudder compared to how massive the boat is can guide that ship and boat wherever it needs to go. That is how powerful our tongue is. 
And we have a choice. I can speak life or I can speak death. And I don't know about you. I've never comforted, comfort, gave, gave anybody comfort by speaking death into them. And so start today. Start by just giving somebody a compliment. You look nice today. Men, don't do that to married women, okay? Except your wife. But like, hey, you look nice today. Hey, I'm here for you. Is there anything I can, I can do for you? Hey, do you have anything uh, that you need right now? Is there, is there anything I can pray for you about? Hey, I'm going to write a, a note to, to somebody that, that I know just needs some encouragement. I'm going to send a text to someone and just say, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you. You're doing an incredible job as a mom. You're doing an incredible job as a dad. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope that things are going well. Here I am if you need me. Like, I could go on and on with example after example after example. Here's the deal. We have an opportunity to give comfort by speaking life into people's life. Let's speak life, church. Let's be known as a body of believers, as a body of Christ who encourages people. We value that, who builds people up and who gives comfort just by the words that we say. So we receive comfort, we give comfort, and here's the hard one. We embrace suffering. We embrace suffering. Look at this in verse five through seven. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Did you, did you catch that? The more we suffer for Christ, the more we embrace suffering, we're living a life fully on fire for Jesus in full surrender, and we're going to be persecuted for it. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to face things we don't understand. The more suffering we face, the more showering we get from God. Oh, come on, somebody. For, then it says in this, in verse 6, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. He's saying, when you're going through something that is hard, it's still for your own good. Come on. He says, he says when, uh, for we win ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. The more we suffer, the more we face, the more hard, hard times we go through living our lives on full display for Christ, the more showering of comfort we get. And you know what that means to me? It means the more that I face, the less of me that I get and the more of him that I receive. I don't know about you. I want less of me and more of him. And I hate to say this because every time I do in front of somebody or in front of the church, it always happens. But if I have to face suffering to get less of me and more of him, here I am. Here I am, and it is so hard to say because you can bet your bottom dollar. Here I am. I'm just letting you know. Y'all call me next week and let me know you're praying because I'm probably facing something because the enemy will take every chance he gets to come and try to attack us and try to destroy our family. But listen, whatever I have to face, whatever suffering, whatever, whatever it is that will lead me to have less of me and more of him, I want that. And I want that for you. I want that for you. And so often we, we have this, this small-minded perspective that this is it. Can I tell you something? When you look at things in light of eternity, when, in light of the fact that we get to live life forever with God, when we leave this earth, there is no amount of suffering that can shut you down from rejoicing and being confident in the fact that we get to spend eternity with our Father. And whatever it takes for less of us and more of him, we can do it. 
We can take it. We can handle it. We can withstand it with Christ because we know where the source is. And everything we receive, we're going to let it all back out and give it away. And we will embrace suffering. There was a guy in the late 1800s, and I'm going to close with this story, uh, by the name of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. He was a well-known businessman and was married to this lady named Anna, his wife. And he had five wonderful kids. And in 1871, he lost his son uh, to pneumonia. Obviously, uh, a tragic time in his life. I cannot imagine or even comprehend losing my child. But later on that year, if you know anything about history, the Great Chicago Fire took place and uh, it burned his entire business. And so in one year, he lost a child and he lost all source of income. He lost everything that he literally had to, to, to meet the needs of his family. He lost his business. And uh, two years later, the Lord gave him favor and allowed his business to, to get back uh, running in between uh, 1871 and 1873 and um, was doing well, had four daughters left, and uh, they were headed to vacation in Europe. And uh, he had an a, a unexpected business uh, problem that he had to, to stay home with and, and kind of deal with. And so he was supposed to leave for vacation and instead he had to stay back. And so he told his wife, I want you to take the girls, get on the boat, head on over to Europe and I will meet you there. And, uh, and so he did that. He stayed back, was dealing with business stuff and his wife and girls took off on a boat to head to Europe for vacation. And on the journey there, the ship that they were on collided with another ship and within 15 minutes, the entire boat was underwater. There was about 200 people on it. And uh, all four of his daughters um, drowned and were killed in that moment. And his wife was rescued and he had heard about the wreck, but obviously didn't have communication like we have today. And so he was anxiously awaiting to find out what was going on. And he got a telegraph days later from his wife and it says, saved alone, what shall I do? And so he got on a ship and he headed over to Europe to meet his wife and, and comfort her and console her. And obviously the deepest, darkest time of their life. And as they were headed across the seas there, the, uh, the captain of the ship called him up at a certain point. He said, hey, I want you to come up here for a minute. And he said, we're about to cross over the area where you lost your girls. And I just wanted you to know that. And as they were crossing over the area, he sat down with a pen in hand and a piece of paper, and he wrote some things down. And this is what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. 200 years later, we still sing that hymn, one of the greatest hymns in the church. And it was written from someone who was in their deepest, darkest, most broken time of their life. And he was able to write and say and believe in his heart that it is well, it is well with my soul. Church, it is well because of Jesus. It is well because of the relationship that we have in him. It is well because of the comfort that we find in him. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, 
Church, let's believe. Let's stand on the fact that it is well with my soul. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you comfort us in our time of need, that we can go to you because you are the source of all comfort. And God, I pray right now for those that are broken. I pray for for those that are hurting. I pray for those who are in the deepest, darkest season of their life. I pray that they would turn to you. They would fix their gaze and their eyes upon you and that you would give them comfort that is far greater than any comfort they have ever received or experienced in their life. God, I pray that you would help them to know that you are a God who has not left them. You are a God who has not forsaken them. You are a God who has not forgotten about them. And you are here to be the source of comfort for their lives, God. And I pray that they would turn to you. I pray for those that that are struggling right now, that are facing things that that are unknown, that are uncertain, that that are just out of control in their life. God, I pray that your presence would be so tangible that they would know that you have got it under control even when we feel like all control is gone. God, I pray that as we receive this comfort that we would be able to give it to this broken world that you have called us to love on and lead and live in. God, I pray that as we give it, that people would understand and know the same thing that we know about you, that you are faithful, that you are good, that you love them and that you want a relationship with them. And God, I pray, I pray that you would help us to embrace suffering because we know that the more we suffer for you, the more you shower us with your comfort and we get less of us and more of you. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for who you are to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen, amen. Hey.